All right, so today's lesson, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 11. We're going to start there. We're going to fly through a few chapters here as it all kind of comes together by Abraham's life. In Genesis chapter 10, though, you get the descendants of Noah, like I talked about. So as, Abra or as Noah gets off the ark and they start expanding and filling the earth and they multiply uh, like God told them to, you have all kinds of descendants and generations that come. And he goes down the list for quite a while. And then um, you get the Tower of Babel that happens, where everybody comes together to build this tower, and God makes them speak different languages, and they all disperse in different parts of the earth. Huh? English. English, yeah, and other languages um, around the earth. Then you get to, and also in chapter 11, you get the descendants of Shem, S-H-E-M, and uh, the descendants of Shem, again, go on for quite a while. You have several generations that are listed there in the Bible. But you finally get to Abraham. And that's what we're going to talk about here today. Uh, Genesis chapter 11, verse 26, if you have your Bibles. And this would be really good if you have your Bibles because you can follow right along. We're just going to go right through it here. Um, Genesis 11, verse 26 is the very last part about the descendants of Shem. And it says... Now Terah lived 70 years and begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Abram ends up becoming Abraham later, uh, the same, same person. You were going to say Abraham again. Yeah, you lived a long time, that's the case. Uh, so Abraham is born, and then uh, in Genesis 11, 27-32, it kind of gives you a brief outline of just Abraham's backstory. It doesn't go into a lot of detail, but basically it tells you that Abraham has a wife named Sarah, and Sarah is barren. And barren basically means she can't have kids, okay? So Abraham and Sarah, they're pretty old at this point. They're not like they're a young couple. Uh, they're like your grandparents' age, basically. And they can't have a kid. They haven't had one their whole life. And so they just assume that they're never going to have kids. Uh, and that's kind of what it says about Sarah. Now, I did look up some fun facts, though, about Abraham um, from what we can tell in the Bible. Uh, one, Abraham lived in Mesopotamia, is known by scholars as one of the first civilizations in the world. Pretty interesting, Mesopotamia. Um, and then Abraham was raised by idol-worshipping parents. Which that's pretty ironic, considering what we're about to read. Abraham may have been called from city life to remove him from temptations at home. Joshua 24.2 tells us that Abram's father was a worshiper of idols, which likely means that idol worship was familiar to Abraham as well. Leaving behind his father's house meant leaving behind everything that was familiar, including his own religion. This new God, Yahweh, must have seemed very mysterious because he chose to communicate directly with Abram while the false idols of Abram's youth understood to be distant gods who did not personally connect. This difference may have been the one deciding factor in Abram's choice to follow God's leading over his previous religion. It's very interesting. Also, kind of gross fact here, um, she may or may not have known, uh, Sarah, Abraham's wife, later on he lies about her being his sister, although that lie is not exactly false, uh, she is somewhat related to him. Um, so back then they didn't have the same kind of rules and laws that we had in today's time. So, you know, you, you were allowed to marry siblings and things like that and cousins. Um, but it's kind of ironic that that is the case. And also Abraham was the 10th generation of Noah. 
So we talk about the generations of Noah. He's the 10th one that comes and we get this story. So um, the first thing I want you guys to think about is in Genesis chapter 12. This is where we got, we're going to get the father of the faith. So Abraham is referred to very often in the Bible or very often in Christianity as the father of our faith. Uh, which is interesting because they, they believe he's the first person uh, or one of the main people that really put his faith in God and said, whatever you say, God, I'm going to do it. And he stayed loyal throughout his whole life. Now, Abraham still made mistakes. He still fell short of the glory of God. But for the most part, he stayed consistent throughout his entire life after he turned to God. Like it says here, he had hours from parents. But once he decided to follow God, for the most part, he stays pretty loyal throughout his entire life. And so he's called the father of our faith. And it says here in Genesis 12, 1 through 5, this is why we get this. Now the Lord has said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in all you, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord has spoken to him. So God tells Abraham, I want you to pick up your whole life, your family, uh, your kid, all your possessions, and go to this land you have no idea about because I'm going to make you a great nation in this land. And Abraham is older. Again, he's like a grandparent's age at this time. And so, yeah, I think at this point he's probably around 75 years old. And he gets that way, yeah. And, um, and so Abraham is really old, and he's lived his whole life in this land, or most of his life. He's grown up in the religion around the people. He's had his family there. And all of a sudden, God says, I want you to take everything you have, uproot it, and go to this country that you have no idea about, because I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start building the people off out of your descendants. That's a pretty intense you know, word right there. And so basically, Abraham, um, he... Um, he, he, he does what the Lord says. He doesn't question it for what we know. It says in verse 4, So Abraham departed as the Lord has spoken to him. And that's why partly he's called the father of our faith because God said, do this. He said, okay, I'll go. But you got to think, at that age, that's hard to pick up your life and go. But even at your guys' age, think about how many of you guys, if God said, I want you to pick up your life and go to a college far off, or I want you to go and overseas and do this mission project, or I want you to go do this job that maybe you never thought about before. How many of you guys would say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you and do it, because I know you'll be with me, and you'll make something great from it. A lot of us have that fear. You know, we have our own wants, our own desires, and we have our own comfort zone. Each of us have a comfort zone, and we like, we like our friend. We, most of us like our family uh, and things like that. And so if God tells us to leave all that behind, that can be very scary and uncertain. But I want you guys to think about your life today. Do you love God more than your possessions, your surroundings, and your family? And if you do, if you love God more than anybody and anything, then like Abraham, if God says, hey, get up and leave or go do this, you'll say, okay, God, I'll trust you and we'll go do it. And when that happens, God will bless you because of it. But it is scary. It takes a little bit to give that kind of faith. So I want you guys to, to think about a little something here. You know, fortunately, um, well, I guess not fortunately, but just in my life, God's never called me to go overseas or anywhere crazy. Um, but he could in the future. Um, but, you know, God called me to go to Illinois uh, for college and then come here 
um, for ministry. And I grew up my whole life in Alabama, and that was a, that was a big change. I mean, you know, there's a whole different culture up in Illinois than it was in Alabama. The weather was different. The people were different. The college was quite a bit different than some of the school that I had learned back in my hometown. And it was a big transition. But I saw God use me in a lot of ways throughout my college life uh, that I would have been used probably somewhere else that was closer. And through that, God has really blessed me, and I've grown a lot of knowledge and faith from that. But it's even more of a leap of faith that God calls you to go somewhere even more, more extreme than that. Think about the ones that are called to go to Ukraine right now, minister to those in a war zone. And that's, that's intent. You know, if God calls you to go do something like that, it takes a big leap of faith to go and do it. But when God calls you to do something, it's because he knows that I can take Sophie, or I can take Bradley, I can take Gracie, and I can use them in a marvelous way in that particular function. Whether they believe it or not, I know I know the potential they have inside of them, and I'm about to bring it out and use it in an incredible way. And that's why we have to follow God like Abraham did. Now, one thing that I want you guys to think about, and this is a really interesting concept, because Abraham has his faith in God, God blesses him, but he doesn't necessarily bless him the way Abraham thought he would. Um, so if God tells you, I'm going to move you to this land, and you're going to become a great nation. You know, you're going to be blessed and multiply, and I'm going to give you all this wonderful land. You probably have in your mind, that I'm going to go over, I'm going to see this incredible land. God's going to bless me. I'm going to have this huge house and, you know, this nice farm or whatever they had back then, and I'm going to have a lot of kids. But that wasn't the case. The Canaanites and other tribes lived in those lands, and they weren't just going to roll over and let Abraham have it. And so Abraham had to actually, and his descendants had to fight for years and years and years until they actually got the land. Um, so yes, God did fulfill his promise, and he did give them the land he promised to them, but it wasn't like he just gave it to them instantly, and here it is. And that's what you guys to think about here. Um, in Genesis 12, 7 is when you first hear this. It says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. But he says this in chapter 12, and we don't really see the Israelites take over everything until years and years later. So I want you guys to think about that. A lot of times in life, God calls you to do something because he wants to use you and he wants to bless you in that way. But it may not happen in your timing or in the way you want it to. But it's going to happen in God's timing the way he wants it to which will end up being far greater. You'll appreciate it more, it'll last longer, and, and, and the reward will be tremendous. So I want you guys to look at here in Genesis 13, verses 8 through 7. This one's going to get interesting. The story's going to pick up pretty quick here. So in Genesis chapter 13, Abraham's going to this land, okay? He's probably happy-go-lucky right now, probably a little scared, but probably also pretty eager to find out what God's going to bless him with. And I want you guys to, to think about this. Say you're excited to go to like Disney World, and you think you're going to have a, a wonderful time riding all the rides, enjoying all the things there. You and then you and then you get there, and what is part of walk to get to the to the door? And then once you get to the entrance, there's all these enemies there. You have to fight off to ride the rides. That wouldn't be a very enjoyable experience. That would definitely change your mindset quite a bit. That's called the um, non-lightning ride. Right? <laughs> The long lines. That's called having a lightning pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. That's true. We had to stand in line for three hours to go on that one Star Wars. Yeah, it's, that's three ridiculous. Um, so I want you guys to listen to this. It's in, it starts in uh, verse 8. In chapter 13, it says, 
So Abram stayed at the lot. Now Lot's his son, okay? So just get that in your mind. Lot's his son he took with him. He took his son, Lot, and his wife, Sarah. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan. Then it was well watered everywhere. So again, he sees this land, kind of like you see Disney World from a distance. You're like, man, it looks incredible. And he's like, this land looks awesome. And listen, um, so then he says, listen to this. So listen to this whole part. It says, and Lot lifted his eyes and saw that all the plain of Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord. Again, we're talking about centuries later. And what does he refer this land to? Like the garden of Eden. Think about this. So Adam and Eve, they get this beautiful garden, of course. When Noah gets off the land, he tells them to multiply, fill the earth, and it's kind of like they restore the garden once again. And then, uh, centuries later, he said, I'm going to start a great nation with Abraham, and the land he promises is what? Like this beautiful garden that God promised. It's very interesting how God stays consistent all throughout Scripture, and his plan just keeps coming back to, I want to bless his people. I want to give them this nice land. I want to dwell with them. But the people keep turning away. So God's plan is he keeps pursuing them. He keeps wanting to give them this beautiful land, and the people keep turning away, but he keeps pursuing them. And so, listen here. It says in, in, in Genesis 13, uh, 8 through 11, then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. So I feel like Lot's like that kid. He's like, I'm taking first dibs. That man looks the best. I'm taking that one. And so Lot, and so, uh, Lot journeyed east. And they separated him and Abram from one another. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the city's plain and pitched his tent as far as Sodom. Now, why is important? is the land of Sodom wasn't originally a, a bad land. It was a beautiful land. Think about how incredible it was. You know, he, he looks at it as Sodom and Gomorrah, or Sodom, as basically like this Garden of Eden, just this beautiful, wonderful place. It had everything they could, they could ever want. And that was the most desirable land to Lot and Abram, basically. And so Lot says, let me take that one, and Abram lets them have it. The reason I want you to think about that is because when we get to Sodom and Gomorrah next week, we're going to see a whole different mindset about how Sodom is, but originally it was a good land. So just remember that. But the men of Sodom, here's where it gets to a little bit worse, were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So the land itself was beautiful. Those inside of it were wicked, and that ends up turning to destroying the entire city later on. And now, now this was interesting. So verse number 10, or... Um, it says, this is pretty interesting, in chapter 14, it says, Now the valley of Sidium was full of asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah uh, fled. So they started getting this battle between other lands. Some fell there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, I'm sorry, Abram's brother's son, I said that wrong earlier, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. So I want you guys to think about this. <laughs> Lot's in this land of Sodom. He thinks it's going to be a beautiful land from afar. He gets there, realizes the people are really evil and corrupt. He's like, oh, this might not have been the best idea. But he starts settling there. And then not long after he settles there, they have this massive war that breaks out. And he gets captured and take it, taken up in war. Not exactly. A, uh, no, he just gets captured like a, a prisoner of war. Maybe. So I want you guys to think about that again. Lot's mindset of God's, Abraham probably told him, Lot's mindset of God's going to bless us didn't exactly go as Lot had predicted. Um, so then in verse 15, Abram, because he knows his brother's son got taken, 
He's like, I gotta go get him. So it says he divided his forces against them by night, and he is he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as uh, Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as women and the people. So Abraham now has to leave his land and go get this guy back and get the get the goods back. So a lot of times back then, they would take the women as prisoners as well, or they would do really bad things to the women. Uh, that was like a, a part of showing dominance and like, and bad sure. things. Not, not good, but that's what that's they did. That's a stupid way to show dominance. Yeah, that, that, was, that was their plan back then though. Um, so. So in Genesis chapter 15, you get to, um, Verses 13 through 16. I want to read this off to you guys. It says, <clears throat> Then he said to Abram, <clears throat> This is God talking to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you should go out to your fathers in peace, you shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And then uh, he talks to um, Abraham right before that and tells Abraham this. And this is what's very interesting. He says, Then he brought him outside and said, Look, now toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to them, So shall your descendants be. And it says that Abraham believed the Lord and counted it to him as righteousness. Now, again, Sarah was barren. At this point, Abraham is, I think, 80-something years old. He's about to be 99, okay? Um, so it kind of it kind of fast-forwards here in the next chapter. But he's probably, he's probably between 80-something and 90 years old. So Abraham is a real old man. And, you know, God's telling him, I'm going to make you a descendant of great nations. He's like, I don't want to see that happening, God, because, you know, my wife... She's old. Abraham, you know, God tells him basically that Sarah uh, is going to have children in a way. Because he tells him this. He says, but Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is the ladder of Damascus? Then Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is, a, is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one will come from your own body and they shall be your heir. His own body. Again, we're not going to go into details. Um, so think about this. Um, God tells Abraham, you're going to have kids. And, and you're going to have this great nation, as I promised you years ago. But And he says that he believed the Lord. But when you look at the next chapter, he believed him. But I think he kind of took it into his own hands and said, okay, uh, I'm going to make this happen a different way. And that's what you got to think about. Number three is that God makes the impossible possible, but you can't get ahead of God. When God promises you something and he lays out a plan for your life or instructs you to do something, you can't rush that plan or you can't try to take matters into your own hands to make that happen. The moment you do that, somebody gets hurt and something really bad happens. And Abraham's wife, Sarah, comes to him in the next chapter and is like, hey, look, I'm not having children. You can clearly see this is not happening for years. And so I have this maidservant named Hagar, and I'm going to give you her, and you're going to sleep with her, and we'll count that as our kid. Um, and <laughs> we're psychologically, um, 
Um, yeah, she, oh, gave, yeah. she gave him permission, so they could like technically count that as their child, and then I guess God was gonna bless the lineage through this child. Again, they, they took God's plan and really twisted it and took matters in their own hands and didn't wait for God. And so what happens is uh, Hagar, which is a maidservant, she's probably forced to do this, is forced to go in with Abram, and Abram goes into her, and then um, they have a kid together. But instead of this working out really great, this is what's really bad. Sarah says, listen to what she says. <clears throat> this is in chapter 16, uh, verses 5 through 6. <clears throat> then Sarah said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace. Interesting. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abraham said to Sarah, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. So Sarah basically is jealous that the maid has this child and sees that, you know, she has what I really wanted. It didn't exactly work like I wanted it to. And deals with her maid harshly. And then she flees from the land. It really didn't work out very well here. And so um, God actually meets Hagar and talks to her and says, what's done to you is not right. Um, but I want you to go back to Abraham and Sarah. Now think about the fate of Hagar here. God saying, return back to these people that basically just made you have sex with someone you didn't want to, and you got pregnant, and I want you to serve them because I'm still going to bless you uh, in a different way. So God calls her to go back there, and she goes back to the house. They get back on decent terms, and she has a son, and the son is named Ishmael. Okay, This is where Ishmael comes into play. So then Abraham has this conversation with God and basically is like, look, God, I took matters in my own hands. I didn't do it the right way. You know, I know that was wrong, but can you just bless my lineage through Ishmael? And God basically tells him, no, like I'll, I'll bless her and, I, and I'll protect her and I'll protect Ishmael because uh, they didn't do anything wrong. They were forced into this and I'm going to, you know, I care for her as well, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to use Ishmael to have this great nation. My original plan is still going to happen. You're still going to have a kid, and that's the kid I'm going to start this lineage through. Very interesting because, you know, again, Abraham tries so hard to go around God's plan and to twist God's plan, but God's like, no, it's not going to happen that way. And so God, as she says in verse 19, it says, Then God said, no, no, this is a good point. He says to Abraham, when Abraham asked him about this, he says, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. I just want you guys to think about this in your life today. You know, if God has a plan for your life and God says, hey, Aaron, I want you to go do this. Or Bradley, I want you to go do this. And we're like, okay, God, you know, I trust that you'll honor me through that. But in the process... We try to do things our own way, take matters in our own hands, and twist kind of the truth. It's not going to work out for the best. And things are going to get messy. And then ultimately God's not going to be pleased with us. And it's still going to have to happen his way. It's going to happen at all. Um, so I want you guys to think about that. And as we, as we get to this last little part here. After all of this. Okay, listen, guys. It's going to wrap it in here. After all of this, Sarah, God told Abraham he's going to have a child. 
Then going through Hagar, them not liking Hagar's uh, situation, God bringing Hagar back, uh, Abraham questioning God, and God saying, no, it's still going to happen through my way. You messed it up, uh, but if it's going to happen, it's going to happen the way I want it to, and it is going to happen this way. They, uh, he again tells Abraham, Sarah's going to have a child. Abraham then tells Sarah this, and both of them laugh about it. So, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, after all of this, they laugh about it like, okay, God, not going to happen. Uh, and, they, and they just they joke about it. And I want you to hear God's response, because God's not very pleased with that. Um, God, just, God just can't take a joke. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm, let, me, let me read it off to you. It says in verse 12, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, surely, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. <laughs> Clearly God knew she did. Um, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. <laughs> I think that's the funny part of the, of the Bible. God's like, wait a second, let me just clear this up real quick. You definitely laugh. Um, it's like that. Yeah. Um, and so um, later on in the, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, she does have Isaac. She has a son. And Isaac does become this great um, nation. He starts having descendants, and they start expanding. Ishmael. Oh, what did you say? Better name than Ishmael. Yeah. Uh, I think Ishmael's kind of cool, but. Um, yeah, Ishmael is pretty cool. It's kind Ishmael. of Ishmael. But I want you guys to think about this. So, throughout this whole story here, you see God promised this. You know, He yeah, gives us. He just promises that's the moral of the story. Yeah, that, yeah that, is a, that is a big part of it. But I also want you guys to think about this whole concept, too, that it says in there nothing is too hard for God. When your life seems like it's never going to happen and you've been waiting around forever, like, when's God going to come through? There's that song that came out now that, you know, where is my promised land? When's it going to happen? When's God going to bless me? God still has a plan for each and every one of us. And if we stay faithful to Him, if we keep trusting in Him, eventually it will happen. And when it does, it's going to be something that's just so incredible, it's going to blow our minds. And so God's saying, look, it may not be happening in your timing or the way you want it to, but everything I promise you in life, all the blessings I, I promise to bestow upon you, they all will come true the exact time I want it to and the exact, in the exact location, and it will be incredible, and you'll be beyond amazed at what I'm going to do through you. So what you guys think about that as, you, as we leave tonight, think about your life. Are you struggling really seeing God come through lately? Are you struggling seeing God show up? If so, keep faith in Him. Keep praying to Him. Keep seeking Him. Keep diving to His Word. Keep learning more about Him uh, and continuing to ask Him, what is your plan, God? What is your desire for me? Because eventually, God's going to show you that and God will be allowing you to go through what you're going through now for something really great in the future. He may be taking you, the struggles you're going through, the trials you're going through. He may allow you to go through that right now because He wants to use you for something great in the future and you're just not going to see it right now. Just like Abraham and Lot. They're like, God, this is not working. This is not happening. But later on, God blesses them almost more than anybody in the Bible. And it does happen. So keep holding on. And lastly, as we parallel the other ones, this story very much parallels to the promised son in the Bible, which ends up being Jesus. 
So you look at the story here in the Old Testament, and you see that uh, God promised a miracle to happen to a woman that's 90 years old uh, that looks like she should never have a child, and God opens her womb. She has this child named Isaac. He becomes this tremendous person in the Bible. Later on, God's going to talk to a woman named Mary and do the virgin birth. It also seems impossible to people back then, and the son that comes then will be the greatest person to ever walk the earth and be our Savior. So let me pray for us, and then we'll do questions and fun conversations. Lord, thank you so much just for our wonderful lesson today, going through the life of Abraham, showing us that, God, you will always come through for us, uh, no matter if it happens right away or it takes years to happen. Your plan will always come true if we follow you and keep our focus, keep our faith in you. You're going to use us, God, in an incredible way. Lord, I ask that we strengthen our faith in you day by day, uh, dive deeper into you, especially when we're struggling, especially when things seem bleak, knowing that there's a promised land waiting for us. And when we get there, Lord, it's going to be all worth it in the end. In your name we pray. Amen. Let me pause the video, and we will do our questions and answering.